I'm going to do my best to try and recap what Zach has done for our passengers on the train right now with us to go from a 13 to a 9. And you tell me if this is fair and if I've forgotten And welcome back. Welcome aboard another par train. I'm one of your hosts, Evan Singer. We got Matt Cermak with me. What's up, Evan? It's great to be back. We just had a great episode. Some might call it a St. Louis edition. Yeah, I mean, this is what our show's all about. You guys are in for a treat. If you want to lower your handicap in 2024, this episode's a must listen. But first, in case you guys are new, welcome aboard. We help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with anyone. From a PJ Tour pro to a golfer like you and me, and that's what today's all about. Zach Dangus went from a 13 to a 9. We're going to get to that in a second and give you some context. But first, we have to thank our friends at Roback Activewear. We're both wearing the vests right now. I played some private clubs this week, and I was decked out with Roback. And guess what? Some of the most exclusive clubs in L.A., I saw many people wearing Roback, and that is the popularity. But more Q-zips and vests than hoodies have. That's Don't, true. The, and I we love the hoodies, true. but okay, let's just set that's the record true. straight. That's true. It was Q's. I saw Q-zips. I will admit okay. it. I All saw right, Q-zips. Okay. But if you guys haven't hopped aboard the Roback train yet, I'm telling you, they're growing like crazy. We love getting your messages. We love seeing the dog logo all over the golf course and anywhere. I wear it to workouts around the town, nice. dinners. You can dress it up. You can dress it down. It's all stretchy. It's all soft. It's all based on for performance. So rowback.com, enter the code train, get 15% off. If that code doesn't work, you didn't hear this from us. Just use a new email, borrow your wife, borrow a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Just, cre borrow just create it, one. Create a new one, <laughs> sbcglobal.net. Do what you have to do. Earthlink. Earthlink, get the discount, 15% off rowback.com. Also, if you forget the code just go to our instagram tap that link in our bio it'll auto apply in your cart thank you to roback okay give some context on zach yep zach dangus um our latest guest here on the train guys you're gonna love this episode zach and i know each other from from college missouri state kind of hung out in the same group of friends but we didn't know each other really that well and again i have the power of the par train he and i have just kind of reconnected uh he found us on instagram I think it was the Zyre Goff video that reposted us of the bachelor party. Yeah, our, my bachelor party, yeah. And he's just been a he's been a loyal listener and got a lot of negative comments about that video. By the way, they were like, "What kind of bachelor party is this?" I was like, "All right, let's talk about that later." Okay, it was a great <laughs> video. Let's. It was a great bachelor um, party, but keep going. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We don't need to worry about the comments. <laughs> <laughs> but Zach's been a great Zach's been a loyal listener, and we've been just chatting and messaging, and you know, talking about his game, and he's. Zach's in St. Louis and he started talking and he's telling me, I was I'm like, wait, what's your handicap? What have you been working on? He's like, well, I got from a 13 to a nine in 2023. I was like, wow, it's great. And he's talking about some of these things that he's changed or done to get here. And, and I think you love this conversation, right? We yeah. get into, you know, getting a coach, we get into making equipment tweaks. Uh, he's got an Arco. Small number. changes, but yeah. big impact. He's a data-driven guy. He's an IT, he's engineering background. So course management, course strategy, you know, he signed up for Arcos, really believe understanding strokes gained. And like, I just thought this would be a really good conversation. And it was because we love these mental game roundtable episodes when we bring in just guys like you and me, you know, yeah. that are 10 handicaps, 12 handicaps, all and trying to get lower. And I was just pumped to have Zach on. And I think this conversation is so important. Because there's a couple nuances. Like, have you call that? He, he doesn't get a chance to play as much as he likes. Why? Because he's got a family. He's got a job. Right. A lot of people are like that, but he's doing things in a different way that's really improving his game. So awesome yeah. conversation with Zach. You know, it's a great point because I think so many times if you see golf media and news, it's celebrating you know, the Nick Dunlaps of the world, the the amateur that won a PJ Tour event, the guy that gets his card, the first win, winning a major. But I believe on our platform, going from a 13 to a nine is just as big of an accomplishment. 100%. And especially for a guy that doesn't get to play. He's got small kids or maybe one kid. I forget how many kids he has, but he's got small children, not a lot of time, something that we can all relate to. And he's 
making the most out of the time that he has. And kudos to him. And this was a good, vulnerable, fun, entertaining conversation that can literally take a 13 to a 9 or shave four strokes off whatever you are right now. And I thought it was great. This is what the show is all about. I love these. Yep. So if you guys have your own story, DM us at yeah. the par train on Instagram or at Matt Serms or eSinger7. Send us your stories and we want to do more of these. These are great. So thank you guys as always for hopping aboard the train. If this was valuable, um, give us a review at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Spotify and the YouTube at the par train and our newsletter to get first access to merchandise drops. We're going to have one very soon and um, a newsletter every Monday. So no matter where you're hitting it, no matter what you're working on, no matter how bad your last hole was, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Zach Dangus, welcome aboard the part train. Longtime listener, first time caller? Absolutely, yeah. No, I've been listening for probably a couple of, couple of years. Uh, I made my wife listen to 10 plus hours on a road trip last year. So, uh, oh, that's right. Made, made wow. my way through a lot of the episodes. What's your wife think about us? Uh, she's a big fan now. Okay, love it. Well, Not this might be. She wasn't a fan before, but she has a lot more exposure to me. Is Allie, does she play? You got to tell her I say hello, one, but does she? I will. Oh, she's playing or uh she plays probably once maybe twice a year so okay. uh okay. she hasn't been out i don't think in over a year but i try to get her out at least once a year yeah this might be the first time sir we've had a guest on that's wearing one of our hats I know. as a guest sometimes we send them after the fact but to come on with the par train dad i think that's the dad ish hat gray just a cl classic one of serm's favorite runs. i've been wearing that one a lot lately it's, yeah, yeah it's nice it's nice to see we got good it's vibes a, right here it's a good move well we're gonna dig into a lot i think uh zach this is kind of one of my favorite parts of this show right as we gave some context in the intro of how you and matt know each other went to the same school didn't know each other that well when you were at school but reconnected later saw the train started listening shared some stories. I mean, this is like, to me, the point of the show, right? Zach reaches out. We learn about your story. We reconnect. Boom. A few weeks later, you're on the show. Like that's what the show, I think that's the peak of our show Yeah, is sharing these types of stories. So we're going to get to your game and the great strides you made last year and how we're going to get you even better in 2024. But first, I got to ask, as a fellow St. Louis guy, to start off today, I haven't been, I haven't lived in St. Louis since high school. So 2006. Is St. Louis now a Chiefs town? Is it well, is it acceptable to be a Chiefs fan now or no? It's about 50-50. You see a lot of red and then you see a lot of people that are not fans. And why? What are they a fan of? If you're if you're not a Chiefs fan, do you just don't watch the NFL at all? Do you boycott? No. So myself, I'm definitely I'm not. I would consider myself not a Chiefs fan. I'm not a not a fan. I guess you could say. My wife's a Swifty, so she's obviously a big fan. Yeah, um, sure. But uh, I just root for whoever I have money on when I'm playing fantasy. So uh, I went from being a diehard Rams fan to heartbroken, and just basically follow the players I have money on at this point totally i was the okay. same way yeah our buddy ryan at, at first was kind of reluctant but he's all in with the chiefs what you know Brittany's a I huge mean, his chiefs wife's fan. a fan they, they moved live in to kansas, kansas city, city. if it you live in there it's a little easier yeah yeah but it's uh yeah it's another great win for the chiefs but zach great to see you, you as evan said these are some of our favorite episodes because we get to just talk to guys that are working on this game as hard as they can and what's going through their mind, what's going good, what's not going good. So I kind of want to kick things off, give the floor to you to talk about your 2023 season. From what, we, from what we've been discussing, this was maybe your best year in a lot of ways. You made the jump from a 13 to the nine, single digits. So maybe talk about 2023 and what sticks out for, me, for you that got you into those single digits that we all herald. Yeah, I was going to take a step back to even earlier. Um, I feel like I probably played my best golf when I was in college, being able to actually play during the afternoons when I had classes. And, but I never kept like a handicap. So I just played and 
knew I was going to shoot in the mid to low 80s, and it was what it was. But now taking it a little bit more seriously, starting to play more kind of competitive events, even just within friends, not necessarily tournaments, but just everybody's, oh, what's your handicap? What's your handicap? Being more aware of that, I started to realize, A, I wasn't playing a lot. Um, I think I sent you a screenshot of kind of my last few years of how many rounds I played. And and I think it was right around the time when we got pregnant and, and had our, our son and just wasn't able to get out as much as I wanted to. Maybe played a few tournaments here and there, and I got to play maybe six, seven, eight rounds a year of my own sure. ball. And last year, I really made an emphasis. I, bought, I built a simulator in the garage, so that helped to be able to Smart. practice and swing a lot more. Um, so I was glad I was able to convince Allie of that. And then uh, just try putting those to the grindstone and just actually like try to work on my swing a little bit and actually stay more fluid. I played, I think, just under 20 rounds, which isn't a ton, but it's a lot more than what I'm used to playing for my own ball. We got, we actually went on our first boys annual golf trip, which was a blast to French Lake, Indiana. So I just got, I got to play a lot more golf than I'd had in pre previous years. And I was starting to get my swing back into a rhythm where I knew where the ball was going to go and actually built some confidence, which helped because there was a few years prior where I was always hitting a draw off with my irons, but off the tee, it was a slice. If I was lucky, if it was a cut, and I'd have zero confidence over where my tee ball is going to go. Hmm. And I was losing a ton of strokes off the tee. So um, I, I once described myself to my my dad and one of my friends is, I I think I'm one of like the best golfers that can't break 90. Um, I have a really <laughs> good swing. The ball goes where I want it to go with every club except the driver. And I would always have big blow up holes that would, I would shoot 90, 92, 91. I couldn't break that barrier and get back to the, the low 80s like I was wanting to. Ended up getting down after I played all those rounds. I officially signed up for a gin at the end of the year, and I input all my rounds just to, so I could have an official handicap. And lo and hold, to my surprise, I actually got down to the 9-7, which I was shocked. So I, I did it, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> so let's, let's stop there because this is great. So would you say – is it fair to say, Zach, based on what you just described – that getting to a single digit wasn't as big of a revelation and I've made it as maybe you expected. I mean, it sounds like you didn't even know you did it until you looked up and saw your numbers. It was definitely my goal before the end of the year was to get down to under a 10. And where I didn't know I did it was I signed up for Arcos um, last year to help understand my club distances and using their GPS system was great to, to learn wind and all that kind of stuff to take those factors into consideration as you approach your shot. But Arcos handicap had me at like an 11 and a half. So I was like, okay, that's probably where I'm at. It's probably accurate enough. But then when I went back and actually input my scores in the gin, that's when I re actually realized it's like, oh, I actually did get down to under 10. So it was kind of, yeah, it was surprising and it was my goal, but I was more focused with just continuing to make sure that number was going down, whether it was an Arcos or gym, it didn't really matter. It was just, it was going in the right direction. Did it surprise you in the sense that it didn't sound like, because historic, let's say we go back to when you were 13 plus 13 plus, so above a 13 and, and, and a 13, you probably would have thought that you had to play exponentially better golf to get down to a nine. It sounds like that is not necessarily the truth, that you still had plenty of bad shots. You might have cleaned up a few things. Talk about the expectation versus reality of the type of golf that got you to a nine. So that's a great question. Um, I think... The first part, what you just said, is I had to play exponentially better. I always thought single digit meant I had to be shooting in like sub 80 a lot, right? And in reality, that's not the case. And mm -hmm. I think uh, there was a few episodes ago on the train where I can't remember who it was, but he said that um, he was going into a tournament and 80 was par for him, what he was, what he was trying to go after. And mm -hmm. that comment really resonated for me. Um, was that Andrew Emery? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always tried to chase par and like, that's been my goal every round, which I don't know why it has ever been my goal. I've never shot even par in my life. And that shouldn't be where the bar is based on where my skill level is. So I should basically be level setting and understand, Hey, I'm a 13. 
I should be trying to aim for 85, which has baked in mistakes into the number. And that's okay. And that's to be expected. And then if I get better than 85, I shot under par for my skill that day, which is fantastic. So that's kind of the mentality. I, when I look at my year last year in reflection, that's the mentality I'm trying to bring to this year is, okay, I did get down to a single digit, but that still doesn't mean I have to break 80 to maintain that. I can still shoot in the mid to low 80s, maybe break 80 once or twice this year or more, hopefully, to get that number down. But if I'm going to maintain a 9-7, a I can shoot in the 80s seven out of my eight rounds for my handicap, and that's perfectly fine and acceptable. Yeah, Zach, this is great. Really level setting the expectations kind of like just takes the pressure off a little bit, which is which is what we're always trying to do when we're playing because pressure exists in so many forms. But it's really cool to hear you talk about too, really from the structure you put around practice, you know, you know, whether it's going to the range or investing in your equipment, Arcos, charting your rounds. Like talk about that a little bit because there's a lot of guys that listen to the show that are right in your situation, like that 12, 13 handicap, but like, it's very important to really understand how to practice, how to think. So yeah. dive in. I'm a, I'm a big data guy. So I work in it started with like a, being a database developer. So like, I love data and Arcos seemed perfect. I had some buddies that were using it and they, they loved it. And one of the biggest thing that I feel like to, should truly make yourself better is you have to understand how far you're hitting the clubs. You have to understand your tendencies and misses, which that provides you all of that feedback and you can analyze it immediately after your round um, and start to look at things more at a whole from like an average over your last X number of rounds. So that was great. I definitely practiced, but by practice, I don't, I would say I even to this day, I don't feel like I have the best practice routine. It's more, just going into the garage and hitting balls and trying to work on some things that I think are helping in the past, at least this year is a little bit different um, starting in the winter. Um, but it was more just trying to understand my misses and do what I thought was helping me to minimize that um, based on the data that I was collecting. Um, so one of the things last year that I did really would have been a year and a half. part of the, the end of the previous season was I went from, a regular driver to a mini driver and i had a mini in years past hmm. um but i was like i talked about I, I was not super confident over the over the tee with a driver for whatever reason and not the only one no and <laughs> it was part out of i know i needed that to make that change the other part was in my first setup in my simulator um, I had a really bad swing and I hit a rafter with my driver and it broke. So I was kind of out of, I needed a new club. Uh, so I was like, okay, I need something that a, is a little more accurate and B not as long. Um, so I'm not going to shatter another driver, but I found a mini off the rack at golf galaxy and put that in play. Um, and I loved it because I hit the crap out of my three wood was accurate. And it was like 15, 20 yards longer than my three wood was. So I was like, okay, perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah. it fit my style. Um, so what are you averaging off the tee with that thing? Uh, last year with Arcos was 285. So that's nice. plenty. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not playing. And I'm long off with my irons too. I'm one of the longer guys out of the groups that I play with with my irons. So, and we're not playing 7,000 yards. If we're lucky, we're playing 6,600, 6,700, and everything yeah. else would be lower than that for the, by and large for the most part. So it's yeah. like, I didn't need to be 300 plus. Granted, I hit it that long sometimes, but. That wasn't a necessity for me. Um, it was more about keeping it in play. Um, and so that was a big thing. I feel like I gained some strokes off uh, off the tee last year looking at Arcos over the, the year. I think I gained like 0.1 or 0.2 strokes. So I wasn't losing strokes. But I, I so the interesting part was I gained strokes off the tee in, in general, but I was losing, I'm still losing 2.2 strokes per round um, from penalties. So leading into off the tee. Yeah, off the tee. And yeah. Lou Stagner talks about this so much, as you know. Yeah. Well, real quick, this is uh, actually the thing. Serm and I have never done this. Lou has urged us to do it. Um, but the strokes gained part is probably the most interesting. I get turned off a little bit about the post-round edit process. Maybe something didn't 
read correctly, a yardage got off. Now I'm like trying to figure out, wait, what did I do on that hole? Like I've done that before years ago and it kind of turned me off. But the strokes gained element because you'll hear players say like, I suck at chipping, which most of the time they're probably right. But there are many cases where you look at strokes gain, you're like, actually, no, you're a pretty average chipper. Like you're losing most of your strokes off the tee or putting. And then it informs the what we spend our time on with yep. the limited amount of time we practice. So is that true for you that strokes gained is one of the more valuable data points you use with Arcos? Yeah, because with that app, you can set your strokes gain comparison to what your target handicap is. Um, oh. So you can see I'm losing X number of strokes compared to a nine or compared to a scratch or a yep. five or whatever. Um, so That's you can cool. really, you can set your target and then you're working on things to match that target. And there's all kinds of other data that around like, uh, a seven averages green and regulation, this percentage, and you're either here or here. And so, so you can, you can really dial in some things to focus on, um, with all that data, which I love. That's great. So let me dig into the driver a little bit more because yeah, that's where I was going next. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Cause, um, obviously you said, I am like the best, I was the best golfer to not break 90, right? And I I smiled when you said that because I'm sure hundreds, if not thousands of people listening probably feel the same way or have thought that at some point. I can also relate to feeling like I'm doing everything but losing four balls around off the tee. And it's just like a killer, right? Mm -hmm. And it's an even bigger killer when you don't know why the hell you're doing it or how to fix it. So was it simply the change to something that you can feel like you can hit down on a little bit more like a three wood, but it gives you a little bit more yardage or were, were you working on specific things? Did you learn specific things about why you were hitting errant shots with the driver? How did you, how did you tighten the driver miss? I think it was just the swing that I had last year that many really fit that swing. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not hitting the mini this upcoming season. Oh, so, um, it's I smoke. Sent, I sent a note to, to CERN. I bought the, I got, it was a funny story, which I, I got go guys got AI I, now. I, I right. <laughs> uh, I went, to, so I've been working with a coach and I've been overhauling my swing this entire winter. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go get fit for the right shaft. Cause I bought that, um, I bought the mini with a regular flex shaft, just off the rack from a used rack. And it was what it was. And I hit it great. And I was like, okay, there's no need to change it. I hit it what I need to hit. It. But I've overhauled my swing and it's definitely more of a draw swing now than ever with off the tee, which before I was hitting a cut. And I was like, I'm going to go get fit for a shaft for my swing, um, which I had never done before. So trying to take that next step to get fitted a little bit better for my actual clubs. That's so across all that. clubs. Well, this for specifically for driver. Um, I have made some changes with my, my irons as well. Um, but you've gotten just, fit before. Not. Short answer is no. I okay. built this custom set of sub 70s with my specs and I went mm -hmm. and got like I I did the demo clubs. I tested a couple different shafts out and I tested my got my lie and loft angles confirmed at a golf shop. Um, and I built into those specs so I got it. fit okay. myself based on just a bunch of different other variables and information. Okay. But you uh, tried different things and you got some markers. So yeah. Let's right. say you got fit in everywhere other than the driver. That's right. fair. I went there to get fit for a shaft and they did not have a lot of options for my swing speed and the style of swing I was, I was doing. He's like, I, here's one club, one shaft that you can try, but I wouldn't even recommend it. And I was kind of overdrawing everything. Um, and I was like, okay, by chance, do you have the smoke that I could maybe just try to hit? And as soon as he, he's like, yeah, let me go find a shaft that would work for you. So he put a different shaft in, I hit it. And I was like, okay, I have a problem on my hands right now. Um, because I was hitting like these high 300, like flying at 290 yard draws, rolling out to 305 to 317 and a couple of them. And I was like, I have a conundrum on my hands right now. So I thought about it and it, I ended up pulling the trigger. So um, I, I love it so far. It's it's probably 20 yards longer than I was hitting my, uh, have you, my mini. Have you taken out to the course yet? No. Oh. So 
That's that's the biggest thing with my game right now is I feel super, super good with all the work I've been putting in, but I have not hit a ball outside of a simulator. I've played a lot yeah. of simulator golf in my garage and a couple bars here in town, but I have yet to actually go to a course and see a ball fly yet. Well, here here's what's interesting about this. I mean, the smoke could be the club, right? But the mini driver is a great club too. The mini driver helped you get a help you get a mental breakthrough off the tee. Talk about talk about that. Talk about you routine over the ball on the tee box, pre mini driver versus mini driver, and hopefully that will be smoke. Yeah, and how long did it take you to make that yeah. switch? Because sometimes we bring a lot of uh, trauma to the tee box. <laughs> right. So it didn't take long to switch it up because I was hitting my. I basically took the same swing I had with my three wood, since it's a three wood shaft, and I just applied that swing, yeah. and it went where I wanted it to go. Um, I started tweaking it a little bit more throughout the year, just to, for no reason at all, other than I can't stop tinkering with stuff. And I, I many times I tried to learn how to hit a draw off the tee on purpose with the mini. And every time I would do it in my garage, I'd feel like I'd get it. And then I would take it to the course and I'd either push it way right out of bounds or snap hook it out of bounds. I was like, all right. But the good thing was I had a stock shot with that. That was a cut. And I knew exactly how to set it up and I knew how to swing it. And if, if and I would just go back to that, basically. Um, I never gave myself the opportunity to play like a full round with trying to figure out the other swing. Um, I just always went back to what I know was working. And I stuck with that probably 85, 90% of last year. Mm. I mean, the, cu the cut's the control shot. You know? But what a, we, we need to highlight this moment. We need to bookmark, stamp, highlight like you do in your Kindle because um, we're going to get to all the other intricacies. We I want to dig into more what you're doing with your coach. And we got a lot to dig in on in the next 45 minutes, 40 minutes. But this is to go from a 13 to a nine could simply be, I would bet 60 to 80% of the strokes gained is from what you just said, which is you have something that works you're not trying to quote figure out the other one because you want to gain 10 or 15 yards or because you i mean you even said you don't even know why you were trying to hit a draw with it but probably because it feels good and it looks good and it goes farther so this is stuff we all try and do but we don't even know if we're if we should be this is the value of having a coach right but for you to say 85 to 90% of the time, I just went back to the thing I knew how to do and I kept it in play. I mean, that's golf right there. That's how you get down to a nine. I'm how big of a percentage do you think of the strokes you gained was from that decision and that strategy? Probably a lot because I don't, my biggest issue was if I, I always, I always said this to my buddies, it's like, if I can get myself in play, not even in the fairway, just in play, Mm -hmm. I'm going to most likely get a bogey or a par at worst. And because of my distance with my irons, I, I just have to be somewhere where I have a shot at the green. I, even if I have a 240 yard shot, one of my favorite screenshots I ever took on Arcos last year was I topped my mini about 70 yards and I had like 260 yards to the pin. I hit a five wood just off the green and I got up and down for par. It's just it amazing because you were able to find the ball, right? And then, right. So, <laughs> yeah, I played an entire round like that once, by the way. <laughs> Never out of it. You got to find it. That's the key is you can't go, can't go in the water, can't go in the woods where you can't find it. The train's going to make a quick stop. Stay seated. We'll get you right back to the show. But first, I just wanted to ask you guys, what do you really look for in the stuff that you wear on the golf course, off the golf course? I'm going to give you one word. And that's all you got to keep in mind. You got to make sure your clothes check this box. Versatile. If the stuff you buy isn't versatile, then why are we buying it, right? I'm going to get you to buy high quality stuff. You deserve it. You deserve to feel comfortable and feel good in everything you wear. But I know that sometimes that ain't cheap. So here's what I'm going to do for you. First of all, you're going to click the link in our show notes or go to our Instagram at the Partrain. You'll see a little rowback link in there. You tap on that link. 
you'll get 50% auto-applied in your cart. No need to remember a code. It just auto-applies in your cart. You can tap the show notes or the link in our bio at The Par Train on Instagram. Now, the one word you need to know is versatile because it's worth it to get yourself high-quality athleisure gear if you can wear it on the range, in a meeting, bopping around town, in a workout, lounging on the couch. I'm literally wearing all Roback today, and I'm going to a car dealership. I'm going to a coffee shop. I'm going to go to the driving range after. It might even play nine holes. We'll see. And I'm going to wear the same outfit, all Roback. So tap that link in our show notes of this episode. You'll see a Roback link. It'll auto-apply in your cart. Or head over to our Instagram at the par train and tap that Roback link. And we'll auto-apply in your car. You guys deserve it. Get yourself some gear that makes you feel good, that's soft and stretchy. Roback's the best. They've been with us since the beginning. We couldn't do the show without them. So show Roback that you want to hop aboard that Roback train so we can keep that partnership going and keep you guys enjoying the ride. All right, let's get back to the show. You know, Zach, we've had many, multiple top coaches in the world tell us that a good good drive is not a drive in the fairway. A good drive is a drive that you can put the back the club on the back of the ball and you have a clear view of the green. You could be in the trees, but if you have a clear window to the green, that is a good drive. Yeah, my definition is if I can find my ball, I'm happy. Yep. That's amazing just how you're, you know, how you how you feel all around for that second shot. When you're finding your golf ball, you're not carrying that stress all day. It's mentally draining. Yeah, especially if you, you lose confidence on the first tee, it just exacerbates. It starts to carry over hole after hole, and your confidence from every tee shot is just impacted. Zach, I sensed a little, some nerves and some hesitation when you were talking about, do I pull the trigger with the AI smoke? I want to talk about this for a second, because I think all of us have gone through this at some point where you feel like you're finally starting to trend in the right direction, but there's a part of you that thinks you can reach your goals even faster if I do X, if I buy Y. And there's always some hesitancy there. Am I, it's almost like a deal with the devil a little bit. Am I, am I disrupting the goodness that I've achieved the good with the, with the golf gods? Am I, am I trying to talk with the devil here? Right. What was going through your mind there? Was that there? Well, going back to what we just talked about earlier, it was like 85, 90% of the time I went back to what was working, right? Now I'm completely throwing what was working out of the window and I'm trying something new because that's the swing that I have right now. But I wholeheartedly feel like it's the right decision um, because I have overhauled my swing and I'm super confident with how I'm hitting the ball right now, again, in a simulator. <laughs> but it's been translated from all kinds of different simulators, whether I was hitting in the sim in the golf store, in my garage, at top shooters or X golf here in St. Louis, they're all showing the same ball flight with my drivers now. So it builds some confidence that it's not just like my garage that I can hit it, but I'm hitting like a high draw now for the first time consistently with a, with a driver, which I have never been able to do. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. The biggest thing is being able to remove one side of the, like one miss, remove one side of the, the course that you know you're not going to hit over eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times. I think it was the right decision. I will tell. Um, I'll keep you guys posted. But uh, I, I think you guys are making this too difficult. You got options. Okay. Here's what I would say. Yeah, you can always go back. Play tighter golf courses in St. Louis. The Glen Echoes, the Norwoods, right? That's maybe your mini driver day. At least starting out in the season, right? You go play something more open, you know. All right, you pull out the you have the smoking, you know. So it, it doesn't have. We'll true. see. There's you. always options. Um, <laughs> I, I will say I traded them in the end, so I don't have it anymore. Oh but, no! Oh no! <laughs> but you know, sir, where I, is it? We got. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> he much. made he made a decision. You know, I'm gonna live with it. Yeah. He's committed. We like. Hey, you know what, commit. Zach? Better to commit I'll, than not commit at all, right? Zach, I'll tell you a quick story. I got rid of my Rocketball's three wood. I smoked this thing yeah, and well, I got a I stealth two yeah. and I started topping it. I couldn't hit it. Serm was like, dude, go back, <laughs> buy it on eBay. So I bought a Rocketball's three wood in a pretty good condition. I got a new shaft for it and I'm hitting it good. And people I've had, uh, 
I got to play Cypress once and the caddy was making fun of me. He goes, dude, you need a three, a new three one. This thing is dead. And I go, the rocket will never be dead. All right. Um, I, have a, I still hit the racquetball three wood too. I know it's, <laughs> it's amazing. So what help us understand? Um, well, actually, let me ask you this, Zach. There's a difference between hitting it really good in the simulator and obviously the course, but let me take it a step further. There's also a difference between hitting it good in the simulator and knowing why you're hitting it good in the simulator. So are you aware of what you're doing that's producing the good shots in the simulator that you can take to the course? Or are you yes. just ripping them? No. So that's where getting my coach um, comes into play because I've, I've taken lessons in the past in past lives um, and <clears throat> they were always look at your swing and then immediately do this, do this, do this. And, but I never got a, here's why I'm asking you to do this. And here's how that's going to actually change your swing for the better. Right. Yeah. It this is big. Change your grip. I knew you guys would connect your, on this. Change yeah. your wrist here and oh yeah, look, it's going where you want it to go. But it's like, okay, well, why was I not doing this before? Because I felt like I was and, and not, not explaining the technical aspect of why they're asking me to do those changes. So I started, um, I'm working with Kyle Morris and his team at the golf room everywhere. And my coach is Dominic Camantini. Um, and they're actually working. I'm sending them videos multiple times a week. Um, they're giving me drills specific for what I need in my swing and explaining to me why doing this drill is actually giving me a better position at the top, circling it, showing me, see, here's where you were before. Here's what it looks like now. Um, and so I'm understanding all these different drills and how they're actually impacting what I'm doing. Because when I don't do the drills properly, I can, I can, I got my phone always set up behind me or, or, um, uh, face on and I, I'm reviewing my own videos. And part of that is being able to train myself how to detect when I'm starting to revert back to some old feels or some different getting my elbow out or getting my hands too high. Um, so I'm learning myself on how to detect my own problems um, with their help and guidance. Um, but the drills that they're having me focus on are leading to that better impact. And I'm I got the foot spray that I'm putting on my club faces and both my irons and my driver and understanding, okay, if I set up this way and do this drill, it's impacting here on the face. Okay. Let me start to tweak things within the confines of the drill to get where I need to go. So it's starting to click a lot more technically um, with what I'm doing and why it's doing, why it's impacting the ball the way it is. All right, Zach, I got to ask you compare the feeling, not the results, None of that, not the handicap. Let's not talk about that for a second, but talk to me about the feeling of having your process now versus you said yourself, you're a tinkerer. You love digging in and figuring stuff out, engineering type mind, right? How does that feel compared to what you used to do? Which I would assume based on what you said earlier is trying things to try them, new feels each week, reinventing stuff that maybe you don't know if I should reinvent it, do you know what you're doing? Do you know why you're doing it? What's the difference in the feeling there going to the course that way versus what you're doing now? I would say when I'd say tinkerer, I was I'm more tinkering with like very small things, not necessarily like equipment from that standpoint, maybe yep. more so on the swing. And now I'm definitely more, I'm not, I'm trying to hit one shot shape. That's it. I'm not trying to go and hit a big cut or a big draw or trying to manipulate. I mean, I can manipulate the ball, but I'm my goal. One of my goals this year is to not do that is just to hit a single shot. safe, get really good and really confident that I know where the ball is going to go. Like I said, remove one side of the course. So that's kind of my mentality going into this year is I'm going to try to do, try to look at the course that I'm getting ready to play and figure out, maybe do a little pre-planning versus but I used to just go to courses and show up and maybe hit balls in the range and just go play. But I'm trying to take it a little bit more seriously this year. I have two best friends that are, they've gotten significantly better than I have over the past five, six years. One of them is down to like a two and a half or a three. And he used to be light years worse than me. 
So the work that he's put in, uh, and one of my other buddies is down at, I think, a seven. We've always been pretty similar. So I have some competition that I'm trying to catch up on, and, and they take it a little bit more seriously than I have in years past. So I'm trying to put that mentality in place. Isn't it awesome when you finally, and I've, we talked about this, when you finally get a coach to help you to understand, you now have this new mindset to play golf, right? There's intentionality. There's understanding. You almost feel more like an athlete. You have, more, you have a greater plan going in. It's huge. I mean, we always encourage people to find the right coach. Don't just take lessons, right? right. Really dig in, understand, and then make the effort to change. And that's one thing that I really enjoy about the golf room everywhere is not only is it like online lessons where I can send videos and get feedback and drills, but they have like five or six different courses, the mental game mastery that they have, of course, they have a game management course that part, they have some stuff in there from decade. They have a bunch of different courses, how to build a stock shop, which is kind of what I'm going through now. And there's all these different videos that you can go back and rewatch and take notes and and then all your videos are uploaded too. So you can go back and look at your old videos compared to now. And so it's a lot more, like you said, than just getting a lesson. There's a lot more that goes into it. It's huge. So is there more confidence now? I mean, obviously you weren't playing that much in the old, you know, previous story of being a 13. And it doesn't sound like you were doing crazy stuff in regards to like, reinventing your swing but it sounds like you 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 let yourself try and do too many things on the course itself meaning i need to try and hit this big shot or you're simplifying things but through simplification what's the feeling now as a nine is it just are you calmer do you have more confidence out there like how did that translate i would say more confident, yes. Calmer, eh. I've always been one, even after listening to your guys' show as much as I have, I still have a lot to work on in regards to how I handle certain situations on the course. I always yep. wear my emotions on my sleeve. Give um, us an example. Give us yeah, an example. Yeah, ding, ding, so, ding. Let's dig in. We talked in. about, obviously, the bad drive, but there's many more situations out of the course. So Yeah, I, I mean, there's – so a good example, when we went to French Lick, um, I hit the very first draw or the very first hole on Pitai. I took a triple on number one and on 10, I also opened the back nine with a triple ended up shooting at 87. So not terrible, but I was pissed off when I took those triples fast forward to the following day, we went to Donald Ross. I took a quad with no penalties on the first hole. Well, those so, greens. Yeah. Mm. Those greens were insane. So I ended up shooting 83 that day, though. So, so two good rounds, just right. But I, mm -hmm. I get I'm very bipolar almost on the course where my my emotions are like this from hole to hole, shot to shot. I wear it out on my sleeve, and you can tell if I'm if I playing a good hole or if I'm not. I get mm -hmm. I kind of shut down. I'm quiet. Call myself every name in the book. Highs um, and lows. And and then five minutes later, I'm laughing. John with everybody. So it just depends. I know I need to get better at that. And I talk about being aware of it, but even when I'm playing like at X golf or top shooters with some buddies, I have expectations of myself that probably should be a little bit unreal or unrealistic of, Hey, you're, you're hitting really good shots. Every shot should be good. And if I don't, it's like, Oh, come on, Zach. I get down mm -hmm. on myself. Even in that scenario, even if it's only for five seconds, I, there's no need to even say that. It's just, we're out there having fun. Um, Playing golf any day on the course is better than not. So I'm trying, being aware of it, talking about it, and actually trying to take that to the course next year is one big goal of mine is to not not get down on myself, just to really enjoy it, especially because I'm trying to get my son into it. And if I start to bring him to the course, I don't want him to see that, right? I want yeah. him to experience all the, the fun that comes with it. It's an interesting balance, Zach, right? You seem like you're a grinder. You love to compete. You're not, you're, you're an athlete, been an athlete your whole life. So it's like, you know, Evan, I've talked about this. I'm out there sometimes just like, got to give yourself tough love. You got to, you got to like, got to kind of yell at yourself, beat yourself up. And that's great because that's in you. Yeah. But you also have to 
find a way to stay positive to keep your mind clear for the next shot because that's how we turn that at eight into a six, right? Or a seven into a five because talk about that. Well, I think going back to that example I had earlier where I topped and drive 70 yards and I still ended up making a par, right? It's like now that I've had those experiences and they're fresh because I've played more golf, I can draw upon those. And I drew upon that exact scenario multiple times yeah. last year where I would top a drive and I would giggle and I'd be like, all right, I'm getting up and down for par because yeah. I know I've done it before. This is going to be one hell of a par. Yeah, exactly. You'd say that. So, and then I took the screenshot on Arcos and I sent it to everybody. I'm like, what the hell happened with that drive? I was like, I don't know. It's not a picture game. Golf wasn't a picture game. My dad always says that. So it's now being able to play more and still having those bad shots because they're expected, right? Now I can re- recall those and apply them to my current round that I'm playing and say, hey, you had a triple. You're expected to have a few bogeys throughout the round. Let's get back on track and let's keep going. Cause you know, you're going to get a lot of pars, maybe a couple birdies, but keep grinding and keep doing now what my coach has been teaching me and getting to the positions I'm getting at. Because even if I hit, if I block one right or snap hook one left, okay, that's not my normal shot. Get back to what I've been doing and been working on and it'll come out, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So the, the, what I'm learning right now, Zach, which is so key in what you're saying is it's not, it's so funny the the, the reaction it reflects how much you care, right? Like we had a guy on the show, I don't know if you listened, named Brandon, who is a listener just like you, and he wanted to quit. And we brought him on, and we realized through the conversation, and this is pretty much all things, not just golf, but you don't feel down because you hit that ball OB. You feel down because you feel like a failure, and you can't figure it out. That's why. I felt that many times. That feeling that you get, the real golden star opportunity here is not to get pissed. You can get pissed for a few seconds, minute, but if you just get pissed and say, I blocked it OB, what you want to get to, what I'm working on getting to is, no, I didn't block it OB. I overswung or I held on or I lost focus and I didn't do what I've been trying to do. So what have I been trying to do? Well, it's all about rhythm. It's all about making sure I'm I'm trying to set it more on plane, and then I swing with rhythm. Okay, the next shot, I need to go back to that, yeah. right? And though that is a, that sounds so simple, but that is everything that I've learned. Would you agree, sir? Uh, yeah, I'll add to that. But Zach, jump in. Yeah, I think that in, in years past, right, is the, one of the biggest frustrating things, especially off the tee, is you feel like you're swinging the exact same every time, but the results are nowhere near the same. So mm. Half the time you hit a great shot and other times it goes left or right. And if you don't understand the technical aspect of how you're doing what you're doing with the golf ball, it's really hard to figure out, especially mid round, what made it go the opposite direction, right? Where with working with the, my coach and understanding my, my swing and where my, my hands need to be, where my wrist hinge needs to be at certain points in time in the backswing and getting set that helps lead to a more consistent downswing and follow through. Now I can, if I, if I do block it, right, I can say, okay, yeah. And understand why I did that. And then it's like, okay, if I just go get my, my hands were a little high here and it made me come across it versus if I got my hands deeper and that helps me get more shallow, I'm going to swing out uh, left to right or right, right hit a draw more. So understanding that aspect, I think is going to be a lot different this year than in years past, because I didn't have that in my, in my arsenal. It was just swinging and be like, okay, what the hell is different here? I thought I'd took the exact same swing as I did the last three holes where I piped it. And now I've now I'm out of bounds and it was completely different. Right. And then trying to figure that out mid round is tough. Had a few, had a few of those rounds last year. All right, stay seated, keep that seatbelt fast and the train's going to make a quick stop. But first I just wanted to say, I've been thinking a lot about guys, what the whole purpose of this podcast, our social media is everything that we do. What is really the purpose? Why does it exist? And it's genuinely to help frustrated golfers enjoy the game more. 
and help you with enjoyment on the course and off the course. If we're going to do stuff that we say we love, be with the people we say we want to spend time with, and we're not enjoying it, what are we doing? What's the purpose? So that's the point, is to use golf as a way to help us enjoy the shit we like, right? Enjoy it more and and maybe limit the frustration, decrease the frustration. So as a big part of that, YouTube is my new focus. Obviously, the podcast will always be a focus, number one. But YouTube, we're putting a lot into it. And I'm trying to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride in new ways. So hop over to our YouTube channel at The Par Train, youtube.com slash at The Par Train. Give us a subscribe, slide into the comments, let us know what you want to see. And I want to create the happiest group of people on the planet that happen to play golf. That's the goal. So hop over to our YouTube channel. We'll see you over there. Let's get back to the show. Pull hooks in high blocks don't just come out of nowhere. Right. Right? They happen because there was some sort of mental block. <laughs> right? So finding your feel, which you know you said getting your hands, having that one feel, have we talk about this, right? Having that one physical feel to rely on, but but having that plan that you are committed to. And sometimes you got to back off <laughs> because that pull hook is because you didn't like what you were looking at. It was scary what you were looking at in front of you. Yep. You know? So it's that combination of the routine, the commitment, combined with knowing the tendencies and yeah. having that feel to just to feel even more. I want to point something out, Zach. You've really only talked about one specific hole this entire time. And it was a topped mini driver five wood, make par, screenshot, send it out. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done that with a fairway green two putt? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, Millions of times. No, but have have you ever screenshotted? Oh, you screenshot, right. Have yeah, you yeah. ever screenshotted and told the story about a fairway green two putt is my question. Yes. I had a couple eagles last year where I did that. So, okay, but those are eagles. Yeah. So. What I'm True. saying have is, I, a, have I ever done that with a par? Yeah. No. Okay. Yes. To your point. No. So, I, I guess what's kind of interesting for us to to think about, because I had a similar experience, Zach, where when I was in at St Andrews last year, I so badly wanted to do well at the road hole, and I I pole hooked the four iron into the burn by number one on the road hole at 17 that nobody really goes to. And that I had was the anti right swing. That was the anti right swing. Hit the hotel. Swing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had to drop and hit over like a little, you know, they were building for the Dunhill. So I had like a little TV tower. I had to hit over. I had the road behind me, the bunker, and I made like a 12 footer for bogey. And I've told the story before, but I say it again because I was more excited about my road hole bogey than I was parring 18 in the dark when I was so scared of hitting it right and hitting that hotel for weeks. Right. And it just, I bring this up because it's, you can't go from being fiery to being calm. We've heard this from Brett McCabe many times. So if you get clear on who you are as a person, did you play, did I hear you played sport at Missouri state? I played club roller hockey. Yeah. Okay. So you like to compete, like Serm said. So I guess instead of getting down on yourself for getting too high or too low, I would maybe say, well, if we know that I get the most enjoyment out of crazy recoveries and I don't share routine pars, even though that's what we all want, then pull a Julian Edelman at halftime when they're down 28 to three and look at your own Tom Brady and say, this could be one hell of a story, right? I think that maybe that's the shift where it's not saying don't get pissed. It's not saying don't get down. It's saying this is why we play. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity to make something cool happen. And that's why we, that's why we play. Yep. What comes up for you when I say that? 
I think you're you're totally right in that I, I find enjoyment with those crazy saves. Or even if it's a crazy bogey that's like, hey, I was in the middle of the woods and I had to pitch out backwards. I had one of those. I didn't share the screenshot, but I had one of those where I pushed one, I hooked one left at uh, at the bluffs. I love the and bluffs. I and I had uh, punch out backwards. I hit a five wood uh, to kind of push it up there. Hit a tree, kick into the fairway. Had a full sixty degree, put it to like six feet, putted, made par. Well, <laughs> so what hole like, is this? Um, I think it was ten. Uh, okay, I've lost hundreds of balls at the bluffs because I learned how to play golf at the bluffs. But keep going. I do find enjoyment in when I pull it off, right? And then I get down when it's it didn't go my way. But mm -hmm. I think part of it is in years past, my my best friend, uh, John, mentioned this to me, and it kind of resonated um, as we were kind of prepping. I was using him and my buddy Billy to prep for this call with you guys. I had really bad course management for years, and a lot of it was probably because I wasn't playing a lot. And subconsciously, I didn't know what I knew that. And I didn't know when the next time I was going to play. So I wanted to make the most out of it. And I wanted to go for that aggressive shot when I shouldn't have. And mm -hmm. I think and reveling in those saves, right? That's part of that mentality. It's like, oh, I, I want to go for this aggressive shot because I get excited to make the crazy save when that's good. But it's also I'm it's probably now now. Now more than ever, I, I'm going to get excited when I make the smart play and save bogey instead of making a triple or a quad because my scores are going to reflect that and my handicap's going to go down. So I've kind of got new goals to put a lot of stuff into perspective where before it was I was just going out to play and I wanted to shoot good scores, but there wasn't an end goal of getting to a seven, right? Because I didn't think that that was attainable. I was like, I'm just, I should be shooting where I was at in college, not not having, having a plan and actually working to get there. Isn't it crazy how the mind and we just embrace the thrill and the tough shots from out of the trees. We get creative, we get instinctual, but when we're in the fairway, we have a 160 yard shot with a back right hole location. We can't seem to commit to just hitting it 30 feet left of the pin. It's a boring shot to hit. And then we get tense, we get loose, high right. And it's like, that really is a much more simple and easier shot than being 30 yards left. Got to go under a tree, mm -hmm. but you end up putting it front edge of the green from 160 yards and you had to hook it around. How do you, what do you think about that? I think that's, we don't like boring. No. <laughs> we like fun. We like, but it, we have to like boring. We have to be disciplined. You, I think, but I think you know what else, sir? You said this jump for people. I'm going to jump in for a second because, Sir, you said this on another episode a while ago. You said maybe what makes boring golf hard is it's harder to focus on the thing you have to do. Where describing under the tree, you know, it's very, you, there's very clear option and there's very clear consequences if you don't. If you're, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and, Oftentimes you're in that spot, Zach, or I've right. You're like, all right, you know what? I got to get out of here with five. I've already just accepted that five's a good number. Mm -hmm. You hit that great drive down the middle. You're 140 out. Well, go time. It's birdie time. Right. And the expectations and the, the tension levels are just different. And then I, I think we like, we have to recognize that. And we, how do we, how do we, well, yeah. And that goes back that over. The expectation is the is the key there because it goes back to what Evan said earlier is have I ever screenshotted a, a fairway green two putt for par? No, because that's expected, right? Is it? <laughs> some of the times, not all the time though. Um, I'm expected where my game is at to make some bogeys, to make a double here or there. So those pars should be celebrated getting on the par train, right? It's it's that's the goal. So that needs to be part of the the journey. So yeah. I'm going to, I know we're nearing end, but I'm going to do my best to try and recap what Zach has done for our passengers on the train right now with us to go from a 13 to a nine. And you tell me if this is fair and if I've forgotten anything. Okay. Number one, you're learning about why you do what you do and you're, you have a coach to help you 
get marginally better in a way that when you're on the course and you make a mistake, you have some inclination of what you did. That's something one. To, something to lean on. Something to lean on. Two is you fo started focusing on what's working. You didn't try and find something the whole day or hit the hero shot that you've hit once before. You kept hitting your cut mini driver, right? In 2023. We know 2024 is a different story. Talk Oops. about that later. Two, that also means you're keeping it simple. You're not trying to do as much. You're trying to hit one shot. You're not worrying about hitting high draws and low cuts. You're trying to hit the shot that is happening the most consistently for you. You're keeping it simple. You're doing less. And four, you're working on not getting as upset. It's still a work in progress. It always will be. But we just talked about an example with the screenshot thing that maybe you can lean on going forward that it's not because it doesn't work to say to yourself, don't get upset. You care. Again, upset reflects what you care about. So and this and this is my personality a little bit too. Yeah. And it's who <laughs> you are. So let's not try and change that or shame ourselves for feeling it. Instead, you move on to the thing that's productive, that you're learning with your coach. You get clear on your strategy. You cl get clear on what's working. You get clear on keeping it simple. And you realize that this is your opportunity. This is why you play. This is the most thing you're probably going to remember from the round anyways. So let's have fun with it, right? That's four. And five, you have new goals. So you have goals on what you're trying to do. And that's kind of guiding everything. I mean, if people do those five things, they probably will shave four shots off their handicap too. And by the way, you're only playing once every two weeks, if my math is correct. Twice yeah. a month, right? About, if yeah. you're lucky. And a, cu a couple of those rounds were I played 18, 36, I guess not my own ball. My golf trip, I took like two trips last year, and there was a lot of golf played in those two, crammed in those two weekends. So yeah. it's probably even more spread out than that. Uh, but yeah, I'm not playing nearly as much as I wanted to. But but you're getting reps in your simulator, and you're in your gaining reps. That's another thing, right? Yes. Anything I miss, Serm, that well, someone listening to this wants to be like, where okay, what are my... Yeah, we're, you nailed it. But where Zach's taking it to the next step, I'm so excited this year, is the pre-round strategy, right? Oh, so, yeah. what, you know, and because if you're only playing once every two weeks or not, but so you don't might be a little rusty or maybe you didn't play in three or four weeks, a little rusty early, but you've got a mindset, you've got a strategy, you understand the golf course, you understand the shots to hit before the round. That's its own version of, of mental reps that is going to give you a leg up. So that's just taking the time. I love that. Yeah. Yep. Anything, Zach, that I missed there? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I'm really excited for for this year. So I started working with my coach and like right after Black Friday when I bought the, the 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 deal with them, and it's been great working with them since then. So I'm I'm excited to see where where I can get to this year. I would be I really curious, Zach, to have you back. And if your mindset for 2024 is you keep doing what you're doing, but you embrace being a a grinder and a recovery guy and have fun with the recovery. It's not going to happen every time you're going to get pissed when you see the shot that you've been working on or they haven't seen in a while. But if you go back to I'm a grinder, let's go. This is why I play to recover and send a screenshot to my buddies. I would love to see what that does for your game because that is going to help you not get as hot without even trying not to, right? It's just a device to be able to stay a little bit more in the middle. Totally agree. And that's that. just not, and, that, and, and I, it's not just a bad, after a bad shot off the tee, it's just maybe after not a great hole, it's that reset on yeah. the next tee box, right? right? Embracing like the chance to reset. Zach, yesterday I played a private club. I'm, we're going to do a whole podcast about this, but I had one of the best nine holes I've had in, almost shot even par in maybe a year plus. And um, I remember this moment on the maybe the 16th hole 
where I hit a decent drive, just flared a little right, and there's a little downslope in the rough. It was wet, and I'm underneath the, this tree. And my caddy, Darren, is this awesome dude. He goes, it was like 125. My pitching wedge goes about 130, 135. But he's like, you know what, man? I think if you aim to the left side of that green, we can avoid that tree, and you can you can make a pitching wedge happen. At first, I was thinking I need to hit kind of a six iron punch. And he goes, no, man, you got this. Just a little bit back in your stance and try and flight it. And I go, okay. <laughs> like, I needed someone to be like, no, this is what we're doing. I think you've got this. Right. And I put it to a foot. And they kicked it back to me and walk off birdie. Now, that is a perfect example of what golf is. All of my best rounds I've ever had have been moments like that where I'm not trying to make birdie. I just got hyper-focused under that tree. I got really clear on what I was doing. I trusted it, and I went for it, and I hit a miraculous shot, like a mira like top 1% for me as a single digit. Like That should never happen, but it did, and that's what makes the rounds awesome that I remember that. So the next time I'm under a tree, you're not, but you might not have that caddy app. Right. So I have to have that same, I have to have that same clarity. Right. right. So that's, that's why we play. Right. So I'm going to ask you before we sign off here, Zach, is there anything that we've already talked about that you want to reiterate for our passengers? Or is there anything we didn't cover that you think is really important to leave people with before we go? I think the big thing that I'm going to keep into mind this year that we touched on earlier is just level setting expectations for what, what is my new par, right? I've never mm. had that mentality. And when I listened to that episode a couple, or I think it was earlier this week, I listened to that. That's really going to stick with me this year is giving myself some, some leeway and, and understanding what my definition of par is because I'm not a scratch golfer and I know that. So what, what is the expected round for me? And that way I give myself some freedom to make mistakes and be okay with it. Like that's going to be the the big thing I'm going to try and carry into this year. That's going to make that that's that's going to be enjoying the ride right there. Yeah, it just feels everything just feels easier. Yeah. You know the other thing I haven't told you this term, but I actually think another sign off that we can inspire ourselves and people is keep tracking. Yeah, you know, like enjoy yeah. the ride. Sometimes can feel a hard thing to to say when you're really down and you're like. F that man. Like I'm, I suck, you know, yeah. but if you just keep tracking on whatever you're going towards, you know, you're going to, it's going to work out in some yeah. way. It's probably not going to look the way you thought it would like my example under the tree. But if yeah. you keep working, if you keep doing the things that, you know, help you play well in your routine and your strategy, you're going to keep tracking. So, well, Zach, we got to have you back maybe mid late summer, to get a progress report, absolutely. Talk a little more smoke, and uh, but no, this was a this was a treat. It's so good to see you. Thanks you for jumping us. on with us. Thanks, Zach. Yep. Make it up to Chicago. Hopefully, we can get around it. Absolutely. Thanks for hopping aboard, guys. Before you hop off the train, I think I got something you're gonna love. Our new YouTube channel is growing fast. It's something I'm putting a lot of focus and time and my heart into. So. If you guys like the podcast, our YouTube is going to come out with the video podcast of the audio version every Monday on our YouTube channel, as well as more and more videos to help you enjoy the ride and keep your game on track. So go to youtube.com slash at the par train or just search the par train on the YouTubes and hopefully we can keep riding this train together. Thanks again for hopping aboard. Hope you guys enjoy the ride.